Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, Minsure Open Enrollment, the Minnesota High School League's plan to deal with financial woes, and a chat with the new manager of the North Shore's iconic Split Rock Lighthouse. But first... The week after President Trump's visit to Minnesota, another big week in presidential politics. From Minnesota, Senator Amy Klobuchar. The fifth Democratic presidential debate in Ohio, sponsored by CNN and the New York Times, Bill Werner is here with a recap. Scott, not surprisingly, those further down in the polls went after Senator Elizabeth Warren, who's challenging former Vice President Joe Biden for front-runner status among Democrats. And analysts generally agree Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar landed some of the best punches. The health care issue flared to a flashpoint in the debate when Warren was asked, will taxes go up under the Medicare for All plan that she and Senator Bernie Sanders support? Costs are going to go up. For the wealthy, they're going to go up for big corporations. They will not go up for middle-class families. But Sanders acknowledged taxes would go up for more than just the wealthy. However, he argued... For virtually everybody, the tax increase they pay will be substantially less than what they were paying for premiums and out-of-pocket. At that point, Klobuchar jumped in. At least Bernie's being honest here and saying how he's going to pay for this and that taxes are going to go up. And I'm sorry, Elizabeth, but... You have not said that, and I think we owe it to the American people to tell them where we're going to send the invoice. I believe the best and boldest idea here is to not trash Obamacare, but to do exactly what Barack Obama wanted to do from the beginning, and that's have a public option that would bring down the cost of the premium and expand the number of people covered and take on the pharmaceutical companies. That is what we should be doing uh, instead of kicking 149 million people off their insurance in four years. Senator Warren. Two out of every three families that ended up in bankruptcy after a serious medical problem had health insurance. The problem we've got right now is the overall cost of health care. I've spent my entire life on, on working on how America's middle class has been hollowed out and how we fight back. I've put out nearly 50 plans on how we can fight back and how we can rebuild an America that works. And a part of that is we Thank have you, got Senator. to stop Americans Sen- from going bankrupt over health care. Senator Klobuchar, do you want to respond? Uh, Yes, I do. And I appreciate Elizabeth's work. But again, um, the difference between a plan and a pipe dream is something that you can actually get done. And we can get this public option done and we can take on the pharmaceutical companies and bring down the prices. But what really bothers me about this discussion, which we've had so many times, is that we don't talk about the things that I'm hearing about from regular Americans. In this state, the state of Ohio, that has been hit by the opioid epidemic, we need to take on those pharma companies and make them pay for the addictions that they have caused in the people that they have thank, killed. Thank you, Those Senator. Those are the issues thank that you, I Senator. hear about when I'm in Vice Toledo. President Biden. I'd like to, I'd like to be let, heard. Let, me, like to let be me bring heard. you in this here, Vice the... President, uh, for your response. Are Senators Warren and Sanders being realistic about the difficulty of enacting their plans? On the single most important thing facing the American public, I think it's awfully important to be straightforward with them. The plan is going to cost at least $30 trillion over 10 years. 
That is more on a yearly basis than the entire federal budget. And we talk about how we're going to pay for it. The study recently came out showing that, in fact, it will reduce cost. But for people making between fifty dollars and $75,000 a year, their taxes are going to go up about $5,000. Because the fact is, they'll pay more in new taxes. If you're making, if a fireman and a school teacher are making $100,000 a year, their taxes are going to go up about ten grand. That is more than we will possibly save on this health care plan. We have a plan put We're forward that will work. Senator uh, Sanders, do you want okay, to respond? You know, I get a little here. bit tired, I must say, of people defending a system which is dysfunctional, which is cruel. 87 million uninsured, 30,000 people dying every single year, 500,000 people going bankrupt. For what reason? They came down with cancer. I will tell you what the issue is here. The issue is whether the Democratic Party has the guts to stand up to the healthcare industry. Probably the most vigorous segment in this week's Democratic presidential debate with Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar right in the thick of it. But will Klobuchar's performance generate enough momentum to keep her in the race for president? We explore that question with Hamlin University analyst David Schultz. She needed to have Biden stumble, which she did, creating an opening. She also needed to get, what, much more camera time than she had in the past. Previous debates, she's been usually out of 10 people, about sixth or seventh. Um, the Washington Post and New York Times listed her as third in terms of FaceTime. So good. Did that. Um, and she got in a couple of, I think, good lines. And so she did a lot for herself in this debate compared to previous ones. So then the question is, after four debates, does she get a fifth? And it, does she have to get a fifth to continue? Well, she, A, she has to get a fifth to continue, because if she doesn't get that fifth debate, and it's not clear right now she's going to get it, we have to see what the bump is going to be from this one, that becomes very difficult for a couple of reasons. One is that it'll hurt her in terms of her ability to continue to raise money. Um, and then second, there's just the sense of if you don't make that fifth debate, especially getting closer and closer to the Iowa caucuses, um, that starts to question her viability um, and really hurt her overall name recognition. What kind of numbers do you, does she need to, to really be viable? She needs to get up to about 4% in the polls consistently, probably 4 to 5% consistently to be um, make it to the next round. And that's quite a bit of a leap for her at this point where you're right, she's hovering, um, you know, and like, you know, depending on the poll we're looking at and the margins of errors between one, two percent or so forth. So she needs to be thinking about what doubling at least at this point, her performance in the national polls, not impossible to do, um, but what that's a pretty strong jump at this point to be able to bring about. That's Hamlin University professor David Schultz. Scott. Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to The Dog Show. Up next, we have Satchmo. Satchmo is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right, a group known especially for their couch-snuggling, ball-chasing, face-licking, tail-wagging, backyard-hanging, and, of course, companionship. And what breed would you say Satchmo is? I'd have to go with maybe a lavish terrier-hound chihuahua-looking kind of mix. Tremendous dog. Mm -hmm. I'd also like to point out Satchmo's coloring, a white, gray, brown, black brindle, simply marvelous. You know, it's such a treat to watch a dog like this. 
Now, let's see him in action. Look how he makes eye contact with his person. That's actually known as the treat stare. How intuitive. And now he appears to be excitedly turning in circles. Ah, oh, the happy dance, so common with this group. And finally, the loving face lick. It's great how he just gets in there and, well, licks. Fantastic. But really, the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Satchmo is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Minsure's seventh open enrollment period opens November 1st, but MN's Tasha Radel tells us it's not too early to browse the 2020 plans and explore details about premiums, deductibles, out of pocket costs, and more. Well, joining me now is CEO of Minsure, Nate Clark. How are you doing today, Nate? Doing great, thank you. Well, wanted to talk to you. I can't believe it's already that time of year, but right around the corner is Minsure's open enrollment period. Can you tell us a little bit uh, about this time? Sure, absolutely. So we're in the middle of October now, so open enrollment starts just a couple weeks just a couple weeks away. So on November 1st, um, we will open the doors and open enrollment will begin. And the open enrollment this year runs through the 23rd of December. So it's a little bit shorter than it has been in prior years. It's got, we've got seven weeks, but it's still plenty of time for consumers to come in, um, review their health insurance options, and get enrolled in coverage for next year. And that's what I was going to ask you. Why is this open enrollment period so important. You know, the open enrollment is period because this is when consumers can shop for health care they need, and they can just make certain that they have coverage for um, the next for next year. Uh, we are, we think it's very important for all Minnesotans to have access to quality, comprehensive coverage, and those are the plans that we sell on the exchange. And, you know, one thing that is kind of I, I like about the Minsure website is that you can do a lot of uh, comparison shopping. Can you tell us a little bit about this feature? Yeah, absolutely. So that's actually one of the key features of our website, as you point out. Minsure is the only place where you can compare plans side by side. And it's basically very similar to if you were on a website trying to shop for um, some kind of travel. You look at your options, you can look at them in detail, and then you can make a choice that happens to be right for you and your family. When you're looking at, at our plans on the exchange, what you can do is review everything from what, is, what the monthly cost is going to be, so what is the premium. You can look at what is coverage, what is covered. You can choose different levels of plans for different levels of deductibles or copays. It's just basically the single place where you can look at all plans from all carriers side by side and just make sure that you're doing an apples to apples comparison. And let's talk a little bit about this too, that I, I know that the only place that uh, Minnesotans can qualify for tax credits is through obtaining coverage through Minsure. Is that right? That's absolutely true. Minsure is the only place where Minnesotans can access federal tax credits that help them pay for their monthly insurance costs. And that's just really important. You know, this year, households are receiving credits that average about $5,500,000 per year. And, you know, too, another thing, obviously, you said earlier that Minnesotans won't be able to enroll until November 1st. But does that mean we can't go to the site and, and look at the plans already? No, and thank you for pointing that out. So if you go to the website today, it's www.minsure.org. On the website, there is a plan comparison tool. And without entering any personally identifiable information, consumers can simply 
through a couple of clicks. They can see what plans are available in their area. They can look at networks. They can understand what kind of coverage options they have. And it's really a good first step for those who are thinking that they want to enroll or thinking they might want to try to understand what options are available to them. You can do all that homework before November 1st gets here, and it really simplifies the enrollment process once we get into November. And let's say that um, someone is just really confused. Are there folks out there that, that can help navigate through this process? Absolutely. You know, we know and we understand that um, insurance and health plans can be really complicated, and so that's why we have a statewide network of certified assisters who can help. There are over 1,600 of them. These are folks who live in the community. They understand the consumer's needs, and they can provide free in-person help. All right. Well, lots of great information today, Nate. Anything else you wanted to add? No, just we want to encourage just want folks to remember that open enrollment is shorter this year. We don't want folks to miss out on coverage, so don't put it off. When November um, 1st comes around, come to the exchange, get enrolled in coverage. If you need help, connect with one of our sisters or give us a call, and just make certain that you're taking, that we want to make certain folks are taking advantage of all the tax credits that are available to them. Thanks again to my guest, Nate Clark, CEO of Minsure. For more information on the open enrollment period, which opens November 1st, you can head online to minsure.org. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. As we head into tournament season for fall sports, the governing body for high school activities in the state is facing a significant budget deficit. Reporter J.W. Cox spoke to the executive director of the Minnesota State High School League to get a clear picture of the situation. Scott, MSHSL's Eric Martins knows the situation is serious, but he also points out the league has a track record of successful budget management and they're prepared to attack and address this challenge. If you go back four years or so ago, uh, we were in a position where we were returning money back to our member schools, as is our rules, um, and so we don't keep large sums of money available for times when things might dip below. And so that's just that's part of what uh, our member schools have chosen to do. And so we, when things go really well, we're able to support our member schools. But we've been keeping an eye on things uh, over the course of the last couple of years very carefully. And um, a couple of other events have taken place. And so we finished just below budget over the last two years, each of those, and, uh, and felt like we were still uh, in a good position and we're paying attention to things. Our board raised prices on tickets which isn't what consumers want to hear, uh, but think it was well overdue given that in some tournaments they hadn't been raised since 2004 and others uh, 2011. And so just know that costs continue to go up. Rising costs, however, not the only budgetary consideration for Martins and his team. One of those was that uh, we had a situation where some of our sponsorships have reduced their support to the league. And so we, we make money uh, off of tournaments. We have membership fees from our member schools, and we have some contracts and some sponsorships which fund the Minnesota State High School League, uh, and those are the main sources of revenue. And so when our sponsorships dip because of choices by folks who are with us, uh, that, that has an impact on our bottom line. And so on the other side of things, we've recently gone through a transition uh, in our uh, technology staffing and, uh, and lost a longtime employee who chose to step away from the league. And so we are looking at how we can best support that need at the same time as being, uh, you know, forward thinking and saying our website 
is very due for upgrades and improvements, and we know with that comes cost. And so uh, those two things, along with just the ever, ever increasing cost of running programs that hits all of our schools as well as the state high school league, has an impact on what our bottom line looks like. While maintaining the bottom line is key, Martin says it's important to make sure they serve their member schools, which, to this point, have felt no ill effects of the current deficit. I think the one thing that they would they would tell you is that they're recognizing that our technology support isn't where we would like it to be, and we've been really direct and honest with them on that. And there's a little bit of that that has to do uh, just with having the staffing and the speed with which that can turn over. But in terms of the running of programs and the support that they get from us and the opportunities for kids, those, those are not being impacted at this time. Uh, they're able to have their games. Those are scheduled and hosted by all of our member schools. They do that well. We are set up and ready to go for our fall tournament, and already we've got section playoffs going uh, right now as, as we speak. Just as in years past, Martin says the conversation around costs is ongoing among the board. Well, when you look at a budget, you're always going to look at all aspects of it, right? You're going to look at both the expense side and you're going to look at the revenue side. And so um, our staff is engaged in all of those things. We've made some decisions here at the league already in terms of trying to reduce costs. Um, in, in one situation, we had a retirement that happened mid-year last year, and we did not replace that position. found ways to retool within the organization, and that went well, and our staff does a great job. And so we always look at ways that we can do things here. Another place that people will likely see a difference is in the publication side of things. We've moved from a printed bulletin that is sent out to member schools uh, three times a year to an online version that comes out monthly. And so we are uh, just in the second month of that publication that comes out in an online version. And so we are reducing print costs in that way. On the other side of things, we take a look at uh, how we can how we can try and augment revenues. And, and one thing we don't get to control is what the weather is and how that's going to impact, especially our outdoor attendance as we're going through fall. We've got a lot of outdoor attendance in soccer and in football and, and places like that. So uh, those are those are all part of our tournaments as well. For Martins, a one-time school administrator in a central Minnesota community, the health of the state high school league all comes back to each and every community it serves. The strength of our organization is our member schools and all those folks that that work within the local school districts um, and support that. So from, from the bottom, starting with the students, if that's the bottom, to the coaches, to the administrators, to the communities that support all of them, there's a great amount of support, and so I have great confidence that uh, that this organization is going to continue to remain strong and be vibrant within the within the state of Minnesota, and continue to provide great opportunities for for kids all across the state. Scott, back to you. Thank you, JW. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. Your daughter just had her first breakup. Do you a put yourself in her shoes? How could he do this to you? And for Sheila, she, she has split ends. B, console her. Oh, sweetie, this is going to happen a lot. Four, maybe five more times before you get married. C, take charge. Got to get this all straightened out. Keep a little talking to, man to man, mano a mano. Hey, Steve. Is now a good time? No? Okay, no problem. Bye. Or D, help her find a new boyfriend. I know a great place to meet boys. The internet. Nice, single, boys. Never mind. How about some ice cream? As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. 
For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. For the first time in 36 years, Split Rock Lighthouse Historical Site on the North Shore is getting a new boss. Hayes Scriven, who currently serves as executive director of the Richard Bong Veterans Historical Center in Superior, Wisconsin, takes over as site manager of the historic lighthouse that draws thousands of visitors every year. So who is the new guy? I chatted with Hayes Scriven to shed a little light on the subject. Well, you know, the, the, long, the long story of this, Scott, is that uh, when I graduated college in 2005 from UMD, I, I had applied for a site manager, or not not site manager job, but for an interpreter position at Split Rock, which basically is a tour guide position. And the, the, the program manager at the time had told me that, uh, you know, they, they, they'd kind of filled out all of their tour guide positions and that he said that I was overqualified for the for a tour guide position, and someday I'd be his boss. And um, that that stuck with me um, because at at that young age, I, I somebody saw something in me at that point, and it kind of inspired me to to be the best that I could be. And so I carried that with me my entire life, and throughout my career, we my family and I had always loved coming up to the North shore and, and going to split rock. And, you know, I'd proposed to my wife at split rock and we we've taken our kids there a bunch. And, um, it's always been kind of one of those things like, man, that would be really cool to, to work at split rock and in some capacity. And when I found out that, that Lee Radzak had retired in, in April, um, I, I kind of just thought, well, let, let's give it a try and, and see what happens. And, and lo and behold, it all worked out well for me in the end. And, like I said, I'm I'm just excited and just still kind of in shock that that it all happened. What a great story, Hayes! That's just fantastic. Uh, you know, obviously thousands of folks visit the lighthouse each year, and everybody has different reasons why it's special to them. I'm curious, can you articulate for us what it is for you that is special about this place? Obviously, it has a it plays a pretty significant role in your past. Yeah, um, I think I think Split Rock itself you know, is, is a part of the fabric of the North shore and the North shore has a kind of an aura around it. I would say that, you know, p- that people are drawn to and, and I'm, a, I'm a big outdoors person. I, I love being out in the, in the woods and, and, and being close to nature and, and split rock kind of epitomizes a lot of that. Um, it, it talks about the development of the North shore and how it became this amazing site that it is today. And, and it's it just got this unique presence to it that, that people seem to be drawn to, you know, up there. And, and it's not just Split Rock, it's other lighthouses in general. You know, it's because they're, they're, on, they're usually on this edge of a big old cliff or a big rock face trying to protect, you know, the, the ships out, out, out on the lake. And, you know, there's just something, there's always this big aura and, and feel around them. And Split Rock has that as well. And it, like I said, it plays into the fabric of what makes the North Shore special. There's just, every time you're there, there always seems to be this, feeling that that makes you feel comfortable and just kind of in awe of of the the capacity of what that site site does and that's a good thing because my understanding is that your family will be living on the grounds there tell me that's got to be a that's got to be a fairly significant adjustment for the family to make i would think yeah when when we told the kids that we were that i'd gotten the new job and that uh, we're going to actually go move and live at the lighthouse they were 
that you should have just saw the stunned looks on their faces. <laughs> it was it was pretty pretty funny. And then my my son uh, just goes, "Man, I I really want to just live there right now." He was so <laughs> excited. He wanted to just get up there. And so yeah, it's it's going to be a, a transition for us. Um, you know, we're going to have 150,000 of our closest friends every summer coming through and, and saying hi. Um, but I, I'm, we're very excited to, to do that and just to be living at this very amazing site and, and helping take care of it for the next, you know, however many years that this turns out um, is quite an honor. And, and that that's part of the thing, too, is in deciding that we wanted to live on site, we my wife and I were like, well, let's take this adventure because not many people will get the opportunity to do it. And also, it's we felt it was the right thing to do. Um, you know, Lee Radzak had lived there for 36 years and raised his family there with his wife, Jane, and um, we think we can do that. But then also, all those other lighthouse keepers before us, you know, we want to continue that tradition of, of taking care of the site on site like the previous people did before us. Hayes, has Lee had any good advice for you as you take over the position? <laughs> I have I have been in contact with Lee, and he's been very gracious and and keeps telling me he doesn't want to step on my toes. And I said, Lee, you, you've been on, you were at that site for many years. I, I need to tap your brain as much as possible to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm doing this the right way. Cause you know, he, he's, he's the expert on that site. And I, and I really want to make sure that we're doing it justice and he's willing to help me make the transition. I'm hoping, Hayes, that you can tell me one thing about the lighthouse, even though that thousands of us visit the place each year, uh, something that we might be surprised to know about the lighthouse. Well, I guess uh, the thing that, that kind of always still stands out in my head, and, and I know this is on one of the very first things that's told on the tour, but if you think about the development of the North Shore and how they got the lighthouse there and how they built it, you know, they did a, most of that by ship. There was no Highway 61, so if you put that in context on how many people travel up that road every every day now, you know that that was the main road of transportation was getting the the the, the equipment and the the supplies up there only by ship for many years before they got that road, or they were taking these little backcountry little trails up there. So, you know, I think people need to realize that it was quite a feat to get that, that, that site built and, and maintained over the course of the years until the, the main road got, got set up there. So, Is there one particular task that you're most specifically looking forward to as you take over the role, or is there something that you'll be able to do as the person in charge that nobody else gets to do? <laughs> you know, I'm not 100% sure on, on the one thing that I'll get to do that nobody else gets to do. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm really excited to be working with the staff up at Split Rock. They are top notch. They, they are, you know, some of the best people that I've, I've heard about and, and really admired because for them to go through the, as many people that we'll see in a summer and, and still have a smile on their face and, and tell that story, uh, to your 150,000 closest friends is, is truly remarkable, and so I'm I'm very excited to be working with the staff there. And I I know that um, with my my crazy brain, we're going to come up with some great new experiences for people at Split Rock. We're going to find new ways to do some managed growth in the off season um, or in the in the shoulder seasons to to grow the attendance. 
Um, but we're going to come up with a lot of fun, new ideas and experiences for the people when they, when they come visit the site. Thank you, and good luck to my guest, Hayes Scriven, the new manager of the Split Rock Lighthouse. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.